Hello, everyone, and welcome to Special Ed Rising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I've been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, I'll be speaking about the difference between a 504 plan and an IEP. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an information hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialadrising.com. I would love to feature your success stories on the show, so if you'd like to contribute, please send them to my email so we can show the world what's possible. If you enjoy the podcasts, now you can tune into my YouTube channel, Special Ed Rising, for short clips from my interviews. The catalog is growing, so look for new clips in the coming days and weeks. Now let's plan our way to another win. I recently met a family who asked me how to go about requesting a 504 plan for their child. And it occurred to me how important it is for parents to know exactly what to do when seeking help to find appropriate services or accommodations for their child. So I want to do a brief overview of the difference between the two plans and how to go about starting the process. I'll attach all the sources I've used to the resource page of my website to help you along your journey. The process when attempting to get your child what they deserve and have the right to when it comes to special education can be intimidating, confusing, and overwhelming. If you sense a need in your child due to delayed development or learning or behavior, etc., where do you turn and what is it that you want to be doing in order to make the school experience equal for everyone? How do I know if I need a 504 plan or an IEP plan? What are they and which is the most appropriate for my child? How are they the same and how are they different? Well, put succinctly, 504 plans describe adjustments in the school setting to remove barriers to regular education in school. IEPs remove barriers and also provide specialized instruction and services to help a child develop the skills that their disability makes harder to learn. In other words, the 504 plan addresses accommodations that your child can benefit from in order to have the same fair chance at an education that a typically functioning student has. 504 refers to Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. This is a civil rights law and gives people with disabilities equal access to all government services, including public education. 504 is a plan for a child who does not qualify after being evaluated for special education services. However, certain accommodations in the classroom environment will be considered and, if approved, become part of the 504 plan needed to access and participate in the learning process offered to great appropriate peers. That from NEA.org. From lovejoyschools.com, if you have a child who does not qualify for special education but has a mental or physical impairment which substantially limits one or more major life activities, including learning, that child may qualify for special help in a regular classroom setting under Section 504. Concerns that parents or teachers may have that could alert them to extra needs are such things as sustaining attention to task and effort, getting started, impulsivity, hyperactivity, social skills, sensitivity to criticism, 
irritability, moodiness, low self-esteem, organization and planning problems, poor study skills, poor memory, homework, being oppositional, and academic skills. You may have students with physical or mental health issues that impact the student's ability to participate in instruction and learning opportunities. Some examples of these include a student with chronic asthma misses instruction due to numerous absences and hospitalizations, or a student with diabetes requires snacks at regular intervals and leaves class on a scheduled basis for injections. And another example is a student dealing with trauma or mental health issues that misses instruction due to needed counseling sessions. Accommodations can include such things as special seating near the front of the room, small group instruction, extended time on tests, one-to-one -one testing, having tests read, extra time for homework, reducing the amount of homework, daily, weekly progress checklist, a communication book for parents and teachers, special technology, and much more. According to ExceptionalLives.org, accommodations act to remove the barriers to learning that are due to a child's disability. They even the playing field and give a child equal access to the regular things they need to do and learn in school. And they do not change what your child is learning, but rather how they learn. Your child will be held to the same expectations as all other students. Accommodations are facilitations found on both a 504 plan and an IEP. The IEP, however, goes much further and is a legal document that requires a special education designation for your child. The IEP is a part of IDEA, the Individuals with Disabilities Act, the federal law that gives children with disabilities the right to have equal access to a free and appropriate education, or FAPE, Free and Appropriate Public Education. IDEA requires public schools to give children the services they need to meet their own educational goals. It includes specialized instruction or services, which may include learning specialists, therapists, etc. Again from NEA.org, the 13 specific disabilities listed in IDEA include autism, deafblind, deafness, emotional disturbance, hearing impairment, intellectual disability, multiple disabilities, other health impaired, specific learning disability, speech and language impairment, traumatic brain injury, and visual impairment, including blindness. Special education services included on an IEP are specifically designed instruction to meet the unique needs of a child with a disability, accommodations or changes in access to curriculum and instruction, the how of learning, and or modifications, changes to the curricular expectations for age grade level peers, the what of learning, to access content and provide opportunities to learn. Related services, developmental, corrective, and other supportive services as are required to assist a child with a disability to benefit from special education. From ParentCenterHub.org, when would you request an evaluation for special education services? If your child's been consistently struggling in school, his or her problems may be due to a disability. If the school thinks your child may have a disability, they will contact you to request your written permission to evaluate your child. And this part is important to know. Under the IDEA, the nation's specific education law, you also have the right to ask the school to evaluate your child. The purpose of the evaluation is to see if he or she has a disability and needs special education services. This evaluation is free of charge. The following are steps to initiate the special education evaluation process. 
I'll post specifics on what to include in your letter to the school or school district, as well as a model letter from one of the sites on my website's resource page. According to NEA.org, referral processes and procedures differ across states and districts. For example, some states require referrals to be in writing, like here in New York, while others do not. You must be sure to discuss the school-district referral process and to whom the referral should be made with your school leadership. At minimum, you need to be prepared with a description of specific issues that leads you to believe special education services are appropriate, documented evidence and artifacts that support your belief, documentation of interventions taken, and for school personnel referrals, documentation of discussions with the child's parents or guardians and any evidence of concerns that they may have shared. Once you've submitted the referral to the appropriate school personnel, the next step is for the school to formally notify parents or guardians and obtain parental guardian consent. Under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, schools are not permitted to perform these evaluations on students without permission from a parent or guardian unless they go through a legal process to do so. Last but not least, it's important that you stay on top of the school and the teachers to monitor your child's progress with a 504 plan. From ExceptionalLives.org, once you have a 504 plan in place, it's important to keep track of your child's progress. What will you want to know? Is your child consistently getting all the accommodations outlined in the 504 plan? Are the accommodations helping your child to make progress in school and take part in other school activities? And does your child have any new challenges that should be evaluated? If you think the 504 plan needs to be changed, talk with your child's teachers and the 504 coordinator. If you think your child needs more support, you can ask for another evaluation and try again to see if they qualify for an IEP. Later this month, I'll be interviewing an IEP expert on my show, and if you have any questions you'd like me to ask, feel free to send them to my email, specialedrising at gmail.com. It's time now for a tip of the cap, your exceptional needs parenting tip. Today's tip comes from childmind.org. Many kids offer on the autism spectrum have sensory processing issues. These challenges can make it hard for them to handle too much sensory input, wait in lines, or make transitions. When it comes to getting dressed, Nina Sodi, a mom, gets ahead of the curve by involving her child, a technique that can be effective across the board. Quote, I ask my son to pick out one pair of new pajamas, and then I buy five identical sets. No more nighttime conversations or tantrums about which PJs to wear. I do the same with socks. We have seven pairs of the same red socks. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, and outpouring of goodness and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and, if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising, and on my website at specialedrising.com. 
If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent training through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about, and until next time, peace and keep rising. Thank you.